0: Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Lord, your word is already blessed. I pray that the words that proceed out of my mouth would be spirit and life today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we want to discern the difference between temptation condemnation and testing, discerning the difference between temptation, condemnation and testing. Let's begin with the apostle who seemed to be the sage among the apostles. Whenever there was a dispute, he would speak and order came. I love being around people like that. There are some people who attract chaos and there are some people who have authority that command order. And so I want to begin in James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 13 through 15. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted. Let no one Not a believer, not an unbeliever, not godly, nor ungodly. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. James wants to clear that up. God has nothing to do with that. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. We all know that in, in the spiritual realm, things are birthed. But everything that's birthed is not of God. James said, when sin has conceived, conceived, conception, conception, it births something, it births death. He said, don't let anybody say when you're tempted, you're tempted of God, and what James is saying in plain English, is that God is not in temptation. It is one of the devices that we are not to be ignorant of. If I'm ever tempted, I know immediately that's not of God. God is not in it. In fact, the Bible says that none of us are gonna be tempted with anything that is not common to humankind. But with the temptation, God gives us a way to escape. He doesn't tempt any of us, but when he sees us because he knows our desires about to slip, he gives us a way to escape. Just as Joseph escaped from Potiphar's wife, God gives us a way to escape. As I was looking at this text, I realized that this is an answer to prayer. When Jesus told his disciples how to pray, one of the things he said was, lead us not into temptation. James makes it clear. God will never lead you into temptation. And then he says, but deliver us from evil. How does he deliver us from evil? He gives us a way to escape so that sin is not conceived and death is separation from God. The reason the tempter, the devil is called the tempter, the tempter comes to separate us from the covenant of God. Death is separation from God. His purpose is to separate us from that. He knows your destiny is good. He knows my destiny is sure, but the thing that we have control of, that God has given us, that God himself doesn't control, is our free will. And that's why enticement and choice, that's what happened to Adam and Eve. They made a choice. Even though they had the word of God, they chose something that worked death. Not only in them, but in us. The things that happen in my life are generational. My walk is gonna impact my seed and their seed and their seed for good or for evil there's nothing in between from the beginning this was about good and evil when they took the fruit and James is telling us temptation is not of God so when you're tempted don't say it's of God so we ought to know right away there should be a spiritual alert when I'm enticed by something, when I desire of something, this is not God. People get into bad relationships because they don't know that this is not of God because someone makes them feel a certain kind of way. She understands me better and they get into an ungodly alliance and a soul tie that draws them away. From godliness. If God is not in it, that means it is ungodly. And temptation is desire, is, is to leverage or seduce us according to our desires. Remember when Jesus fasted 40 days and said afterwards he was hungry? And what's the first thing the devil offered him? Some bread. He knows what you're hungry for. He knows what you're thirsty for. So the first thing that testing is not is temptation. And make sure you put in your notes, temptation is not of God. And write in your notes, God is never in temptation. But it's the goodness of God that gives me and you a way to escape. He will never tempt us, but he'll get us out. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory. Honor and power to the Lord our God. He's mighty. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. He will never lead us into temptation, but he will deliver us from evil. Because he is the kingdom. He is the power. And he's the glory of For how long? Somebody talk to me. Forever and ever. Somebody said forever and ever. Not just one forever. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. So we've established, I think, with clarity that testing, that temptation is not of God. And we're, our goal today is to, to discern between temptation, condemnation, and testing. Condemnation, very familiar text. Romans eight and one. There is therefore now. Somebody say now. And anytime, I hear you baby, I heard some. <laughs> that's good, see I love that voice. Now. And any moment you can say now. That means now. I'm waiting for a minute, now. And when I say now, it's now. See that's the power of a word. You wake up tomorrow and you say now. If you wake up, it's now. That's how present this word is. How present is it? Now. Now, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There are many people, Bishop, who claim this, but they leave out the part that is conditional. There's no condemnation if I'm walking in the spirit, but if I'm walking in the flesh... I separate myself from the covenant of God. I separate myself from God because God is a spirit. And they that worship him must do what? So I can't worship God in my flesh. My walk, walk, the easiest way to to bring it to contemporary vernacular is behavior. Behavior. Walk is behavior, it's how I live, it's how I act, it's how I relate to you, it's how I behave. If I behave as a person who is in the spirit, then there's no condemnation. But if I walk in the flesh, I expose myself. It's not God doing it, see, that's the price of being a free moral agent. I could choose to be close to him, or I can choose to be far off. I can choose to be in him, or I can choose to be out of him, outside of him. Choice, choose this day whom you will serve. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. He realized that there was no other way to live. There is no condemnation. And back to Job and his friends who we know loved him because for seven days they sat on the ground and didn't say a word. How much does your heart have to go out for you to sit and just look upon a person and don't say anything for seven days? You you don't eat, you don't move. You're just gazing upon them. So I know that it wasn't because of a lack of concern. It wasn't. People who don't have concern don't do that. People who don't have concern do drive-bys. Just wanted to check on you, see you're all, you're all, okay, good, gotta run, be well, and you're laying on a bed of affliction. These weren't that. They just couldn't discern between testing Valerie, and condemnation. So they ended up condemning a friend. But here's what we need to know. There is therefore now no condemnation for them who are in Christ. Not for those who are in the world, in Christ, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. In fact, if you're in him, and you're walking in the spirit, no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, thou shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. That's God talking, that's God talking to you and me and all of his children, no one shall condemn you, but the power the sword that's in your mouth can arrest condemnation. There is no condemnation, so you need to know that even when you have miserable comforters, don't hold it against them. Just know that they can't discern their right hand from their left. They're not discerning between temptation, condemnation, and testing. And oftentimes, beloved, oftentimes, when we're going through something, we don't even discern. And we ask the question, why? Even Job, who God testified of, He said he's a man who eschews evil. He has nothing to do with evil. But Job asked why. He entered into a very dark place. He cursed the day that he was born. He said the midwife who brought me, why didn't they dash me with a stone? He had suicidal ideations. Here's a man who God in heaven was testifying about in the presence of the enemy. But there are times that we enter into places that we don't know how close God is. We don't know that God is for us and if he is for us, who can be against us? That's why it's important to discern between temptation, it's not God. When temptation comes, what is our defense? Resist the devil. And what does he do? He has no choice. He will flee from you. The problem is sometimes we flirt with temptation. Sometimes we flirt with things that are enticing. And the devil knows what you like. He knows what you like. I see some young people in the house. Young people know the TI song that says, you can have whatever you like. It sounds good, it's a nice beat. You can have whatever you like. I won't sing it on the live streaming in the church. Somebody will call me unholy. But you know what I'm talking about. That is glorifying enticement. And it creates a culture where you begin to believe it gets in your hands and your feet and you're dancing to it in the club, you can have whatever you like and you believe that I am on top when I have whatever I like. There are times that you have to deny yourself. You need to learn self-control. Self-control, it sounds easy. You know, when I was young, and I would bring home my report card, my mother would check it, and if I was a little down in math, or a little down in science, I was a good student. Little down, but you know how your grades go up and down. I'm dealing with that with with David. He started with high honors, then he's playing ball, He has little girls giggling at him when he comes into school. He He goes from high honors, bishop, to honors. I'm like, oh, we got to stop this slide. I said, son, you can either have a V-shaped recovery where you go right back up, or you can have a U-shape, high honors, 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 but you're going to end with high honors. Do you understand? Yes, sir. But the giggling doesn't stop. People calling him. I want to make sure he doesn't think that he can have whatever he likes. He's got to learn sacrifice. And I was thinking about as I was preparing this message the days, if I was a little down in science, my mother wouldn't say anything. But if self-control she would let me have it. And I didn't understand why. And as I reflected on this, the spirit of God let me know because when you behave in a way that demonstrates a lack of self-control that reflects on your parents. It looks like you don't have good home training. You are out of control. And she would let me have it, and I was sure that I, she always got the report. He is so respectful. He is so, he's a pleasure to have. And when I go to back to school night for David, I hear that all the time. Now, it may not be true in all facets of his life, but what it does, and I write letters to them, I write emails, because it reflects well on our home. What is the point of this? As God's children, we represent him in the world, a world that's dying, a world that's crooked, a generation that's perverse. And when we show self-control, it reflects well on our father in heaven. And he loves when his children walk in a way that shows the light. That's my child. They're walking in the light. They're surrounded by darkness, but light follows them. Their light is shining. Look how their light is shining. And even if the accuser goes before him, God is saying, no, 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 Not that one. That one is not gonna turn their back on me. That one is gonna be faithful. That one, I don't care what they go through. I know what's in their heart. God knows what's in our heart. And when we walk upright before him, he will withhold no good thing. Let's go one more level with condemnation. In John 8, the the 8th chapter, there's the story of a woman who's caught in adultery. And the patriarchs of her generation says she should be condemned to death. They say we're justified in this. Moses told us we ought to stone her. We caught her in the act. What do you say? What do you say? Debates about scripture vex me these days. They vex me more than they used to because it leads to nothing. And I see how many times people did, the living word of God, they did that to him. Not because they wanted to do right, not because they wanted to do better, it's because they wanted to prove themselves right. There are some people who are more interested in being right than being righteous more interested in being right than being righteous. And these were they. And they brought her to Jesus, and they threw her on the ground. They had the stones ready to put a heap of stones on her. And Jesus comes after they ask, what do you do? And after I read this verse, we'll talk about what he did. Verse 10 in John 8 says, when Jesus had raised himself up because he stooped down, he stooped down because she was down. I want you to know when we're down, he stoops down. He comes down to where we are. If he has to come another, wherever you are, he's going to come where you are. He's not one of those who's high on a perch and say, you got to come up to me. He stooped down. But then he raised himself up and saw no one but the woman because he asked them one question. It's kind of a challenge. He said, whoever is without sin cast the first stone. Whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And the Bible says they all left from the eldest to the youngest because the history, the longer you live, is more. And they realize, okay, I'm out. Let me put my stone in my pocket. Let me get out of here. He's he's talking to me. When, he, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Who is the accuser of the brethren? So they're joining with the accuser and they don't even know it. But listen to what he says. Has no one condemned you? And she said, so in the next verse, we don't need to go to that. He said, no one. And he said, neither do I. What I see in this text is not only does Jesus not condemn us, but he doesn't let anybody else condemn us. He protected her from condemnation. And I saw in this woman someone who realized something that sometimes we can neglect in this busy life that he literally saved her life if it wasn't for Jesus in that moment she would have died they would have stoned her the only thing that's standing between my life and death is Jesus David said when Saul was chasing him there's only one step between me and death there's only one step But he knows the way that I take. I'm glad that he orders my step. Are you glad that he orders your steps? He does not condemn you and he won't allow anyone else to. And she realized in that moment, I owe him my life. And he said to her, go and sin no more. I have redeemed your life. Now you need to walk in this newness. Of life, There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Let's get to the meat of what we're talking about today, testing, because I want to give you a piece of what the purpose of testing is, and it's revealed in Scripture. And then we'll go deeper next week when we look at the ultimate test the ultimate test and I'm glad Jesus took it and he passed it and because he did, we are standing here today all because he made a way. Joshua 14 and seven, I want you to notice the pattern because we're in our 40th year This is our year of celebration. Somebody give God a praise for 40 years. He's been faithful down through the years. He's been faithful. But there's something that comes with 40 that God wants us to be aware of so that we can discern between temptation, condemnation, and testing. I wanna spend the rest of our time talking about the purpose, the purpose of testing Sam, the purpose of it. There's nothing that God does that doesn't have a purpose. There's sometimes it's hard to understand. Sometimes you won't see it, sometimes you won't understand it, but we walk by faith and not by sight. The one thing that Job learned In his testing, he said, when God works on the left hand, I can't see him. On the right hand where he does work, I don't perceive him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, in other words, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold gold cannot be pure unless it's refined in the fire it's refined in the fire because when it gets in the fire bishop all the impurities fall off sometimes god sees some impurities on his son and he's saying i'm gonna dip you in the fire but believe me, you're going to pass through fire and through water. I got you. You don't have to worry. There's a purpose for this. There's a time and there's a season. I'm bringing you to a place. I got something bigger for you. I've got something greater for you. You shall not fail. You shall not die. You're going to live and declare my works. You're going through this because I want to purify you. I need a purified vessel. Don't despise The fire, think it not strange, think it not strange, Carlotta, when fiery trials come to test us as though some strange thing has happened unto us, knowing that our brethren in the world and our sisters are going through the same thing. Joshua 14 and 7 says, I was how old? 40 years old. Remember Joshua and Caleb were the young generation. Millennials today, I think about two years ago, they turned 40. Millennials, it's your time. Millennials who are in the house, it's your time. I want to show you something that God did with a millennial, there were some, and I want to bring it to the 21st century. There were some baby boomers and the silent generation and millennials. Let's say five silent generation, five baby boomers, two millennials, Joshua and Caleb, who went to spy out the land. They all saw the same thing. They all saw the same thing, but what was the difference? You would say their report was different, but it was more than that. And here's why we, here, where we begin to drill down on the purpose of testing. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him, as it was where? In my heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All I have to do, or any of us have to do, is talk to one another to know what's in our heart. Out of the abundance of of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Caleb said, I spoke what was in my heart. He saw the same things as the others. But he said, God is well able to give us this. Let's go. While the others were saying, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We cannot do this. He said, no, God promised us this. Let's go take the land. And sometimes the promises of God tarry just a little bit. Because... Caleb didn't get his land until 45 years later. And when he got it, he said, I feel the same way as I did when I was 40. Here's what you need to know. God will preserve you until the promise comes. I don't want you to be discouraged because the promise is tarrying. God is preserving you. I'm talking about a people who didn't have a roof over their head, but the sun didn't scorch them, who didn't have a change of shoes, and the soles of their shoes never wore out, who didn't have a grocery store, but he sent quail and he sent manna. God will take care of you. I want to tell you right now, I want to encourage somebody's heart. Don't worry. Don't worry. Though the vision tarry, it shall come. It's going to come. It's going to come speedily. God has got you. He said, I spoke what was in my heart. Our heart is so important. You got to guard it. Because if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. It doesn't matter how many hours I pray. My heart has to be right. That's why David said, my heart is fixed. And my mind is made up. There's no turning back. Somebody say with me, my heart is fixed. And my mind is made up. I'm going all the way with Jesus. I'm going all the way. I just don't believe he's brought us this far to leave us. It was a test. The purpose for those taking notes. The purpose of a test, I'm going to give you the first one. There's another one to come. The first one, the purpose of a test is to reveal the thoughts of our heart. It's to reveal it to us and to demonstrate it to God. To reveal it to us and to demonstrate it to God. Two examples that show both. Because I always, you must try the word only by the word. It says try a spirit by a spirit. You know it's the word of God when the word interprets. We have some strange hermeneutics today. Hermeneutics is interpretation of scripture. And it's hard to talk to someone about something that is straight the word of God. And they want to tell you what it means. It's like, no, no, it's not about that. All I said was Jesus saves. And you want to tell me what Jesus saves means. No, no, no. Let's not have that conversation. Let's rejoice because Jesus saves. So I want to be, I want to stand with the integrity of this ministry. So that you know that when it comes out of my mouth, it came from God. So how do we know that it's to reveal the thoughts of our hearts? First to ourselves and then to God. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, was with his disciples. And we read some of the text in Mark. They were feasting, they were eating, and after they ate, they had communion. Then they went to the Mount of Olives, they worshipped, they sang a hymn. And then Jesus went out to the garden of Gethsemane. But before he went to the garden, he spoke to those who were in his inner circle and he started to tell them about his death. And no no matter how many times he told them, even after it happened, they were depressed. There's some things that even though we know it, when it happens, it gets to us. That's what it is to be human. That's why we need God. So Jesus was telling them what's going to happen. And Peter, the sanguine that he is, spoke up and said, no, 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 no. Even though all of them will betray you, not me. He said, I'll die with you. First of all, Elder Karen, what do you think that did with his, to his relationship with the other apostles? They're like, What you mean? You just put yourself above us. What you're gonna do, what about us? We're gonna stand together. But he insisted and Jesus said, no, no, no. Before the rooster crows twice, you're gonna deny me three times. No, not me. That's what happens when we don't receive the word in our heart. What God then does is he has to reveal our heart So Peter is warming himself by the fire, and all of a sudden he hears cock-a-doodle-doo. Probably not how it sounded, but work with me. (laughs) I don't know how to do the rooster thing the right way. (laughs) He hears it, and the Bible says he wept bitterly because the thoughts of his heart were revealed. And here's what Jesus does from the cross Stretch out, str- stretched out had been beaten no he wasn't yet even at that point he had been beaten his face was mangled he looks at Peter with loving eyes to let him know I already knew what was in your heart I tried to tell you That's what happens to children who don't receive instruction. I tried to tell you what was going to happen. I was good with it. Did I yell at you? Did I raise my voice? But you wanted to affirm what you think you are and who you think you are. But don't you know that I designed you? I know all parts and I love you just the way you are. You don't have to prove anything to me. I knew you when I called you. I called you because you have something in you that I can use and I am going to clean you up. I told you when I called you, I'm gonna make you fishermen of men. The hook is in your mouth now. I gotta clean you up. I got to get you right. I got to gut you. I got to get some stuff out of you. That's not good for you. From that day, Peter never did that again. So what was the purpose? To reveal the thoughts of his heart. Here's the second thing. To lead him to repentance. God test us to bring us close to him. Because at that point, Peter felt far from him, Bishop, far. And Jesus said, no, 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 I'm going away. This is not the time for you to feel far from me. You need to get closer. You need to get closer to the cross. Don't get far away from the cross. I knew you were going to deny me because you wanted to save yourself. You want to keep Yourself, Don't you know that I can keep you? If you really want to be kept, I'm the keeper. I am your keeper. The Lord is my keeper. The one who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. So he revealed the thoughts of his heart, and Peter came closer. And when Jesus got up out of the grave, and Mary Magdalene saw him, Carol Frazier, you know the first one he asked for? He said, go tell Peter. He called him my name. Go tell Peter and my disciples. Somebody in this room and somebody on the live stream is feeling like you have let God down and you're far from him. He's calling your name. You are the very one his gaze is upon because he, he, he made a promise he said, all that come to me, not one is going to be lost. Not one. Not one. And so I see the promise of God fulfilled in the purpose of testing. So the first is to reveal our hearts. For a heart to be revealed to us. So we know what was in us. What Peter thought was in him, wasn't in him. But who knew what was in him? The Lord. And he told them. But until Peter knew, he couldn't respond. Because he was convinced. Because we all think, I know myself. I know myself. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I will. You make a promise and you break it in 16 minutes. Because what we think is in us is not in us. We don't know until a test comes. There's a saying that hardship or hard times or trouble builds character. That's, a lie. That's, that's not true. It reveals it. It reveals what's in you. That's why God uses testing so that we know what's in us and that's The insight that Job had when he was going through his test, he said, I don't sense God on the right or the left, but here's what I know. He knows the way that I take. I know that he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I'm going to come forth as pure gold. I don't feel good. I don't like this, but I know God is up to something. And when he's finished with me, I'm going to come forth as pure gold. Now, what's the next purpose of testing. It is to demonstrate to the angels in heaven who are on assignment for you. And we're going to go deeper into this next week. But I want to give you an example with Abraham on Mount Moriah. He has his only son that he conceived at the age of 99 and who was born at 100. Abraham called himself dead. And his wife had no children. She had been barren. But God gave Sarah a a son at 90 and Abraham a son at 100. Then he said, Woody, I want you to sacrifice your only son. He wanted to know, how much do you love me? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This was a test. Do you love me enough to do that? Your only son that you wanted, that you prayed for. You even laughed at me when I told you it was going to happen. You have him, now I want you to sacrifice him. Do you trust me enough? And Abraham got to the point where he said in his spirit that I know this same God who is able to bring forth a son from my dead body. He can resurrect him. So I trust him. For Abraham, it became a thing of faith, not even of love. But he goes up to Mount Moriah and his son Isaac is old enough to discern and he says, Father, I see the wood and I see the fire. I see the knife, but where's the sacrifice? And he said, God shall provide himself a lamb. Here's what Abraham said to his servant. He said, you stay here and me and the lad are going up to worship. There's some wisdom in that. When things are the hardest, when you don't understand what God is doing, that's the time to worship. Abraham didn't have the answer. He didn't have a good answer for Isaac. He didn't. But he said, okay, Jehoshaphat, his servant, you stay here, and I'm going up with the lad to worship. He gets up to the mountain. He binds him to the altar. He can't move. I wonder what Isaac was thinking. Scripture doesn't tell us that he said anything other than that question. But I wonder what he was thinking when his father took the knife and pulled it back. And just then, the angel came in and said, Abraham, Abraham, do not harm the lad. And here's what he said, Deke. Now I know that you fear God. The purpose of that test was to show, to demonstrate before the angel who was on assignment that he trusts God. And I said, Lord, why does that matter? And here's what God said to me. Not in an audible voice, but it was so clear as if he was talking to me. He said, do you know That the angels experienced Lucifer, the son of the morning, who was faithful, who was beautiful, who was a worshiper, but he turned his back on heaven and he took a third of the angels with him. And from that time, angels don't just willingly trust in created beings said lucifer who was created if he could do that can't abraham do the same thing the angels who are sent forth to minister for you and me what are angels the writer of hebrews said but ministering spirits sent forth to those who are heirs of salvation they're here to minister for us and to us, but they know that created beings are fallible. And they, and they recognize, they witness that not only did Lucifer go, he led a third of them astray. And now they're doomed. And so God knows what's in our heart already. Angels are created beings. They don't know everything. It's demonstrated to them. We, there's some stuff in us. Sometimes it's so deeply seated until it's revealed to us, we don't even know it's in there. I would not have thought that Will Smith, the Will that I know and love, not that I know personally, would have done what he did. He probably didn't even know he was capable of it. Young adults, Young adults, if you're online or if you're in here, I want to have a conversation with you at some point. We'll set it up. Because that's one of the culturally relevant things, and there's so many spiritual things in it. The first thing is, none of us should judge Will. We should pray for him. If I could talk to Will Smith today, if he was sitting here or there or anywhere in this building, my advice would be, Will, I want you to go to Sharon Baptist, where your grandmother attended faithfully. I want you to go and sit in her pew. I don't want you to go as a celebrity. I want you to go to hear the voice of God. And I promise you will, on the day that you come, there'll be a word from heaven for you because your grandmother was so faithful and she never departed from it. She's among the cloud of witnesses right now saying, Jesus, forgive my baby. He can do better. The world will turn against him, but Lord, save him. And so we pray for Will. We don't judge him, but there was something that came out of him that the world didn't know. Everybody is saying that's out of character. That's not like him. That's what the tempter comes to do. And then when it is exposed, he walks away. As Denzel says, when you're at your highest point, that's when the devil comes. His first Grammy ever. And that happens. That's the devil saying, you think you got it all. You got money. You got fame. You got all this stuff. It can be gone in a day. And he makes you think he's giving you something in exchange for it. He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. He comes to steal to kill and to destroy. But the good news is, there's one who comes that we might have life and that we would have it more abundantly. All right, let's, let's bring this, we're gonna land the plane now. Here's the last verse. And after this, we're gonna have a time of prayer, a time of brief ministry. And I'm gonna invite those who feel like they're either in the throes of temptation or they feel condemned or far from God, or you're in a test. You're going to come up to the altar. A few deacons are going to help you spread out, and we're going to release you today. Today is your day of release. Exodus 20, verse 20, chapter 20, verses 20 and 21. It reads, I need you to hear this. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Do not fear. For God has come, for what purpose? God has come to test you. And that his fear, now he said, Do not fear. But then he says, and that his fear may be before you, so that you what? May not sin. We already said that one of the purposes of testing is to bring us to repentance. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Can you put the slide up that has this verse and the darkness. A few, uh, just a few things here. Moses gave the people a word of insurance. He wanted to encourage them. Don't fear. The fear of God ought to be in you. Don't be afraid to approach this darkness. I don't know about you, but when I think of darkness, I think of evil. I think of the evil one. I think of Satan. But this scripture says that this thick darkness is where God is. The thick darkness. The thing about darkness that's troubling is that you can't see. You can't find your way. You grope in the darkness. You don't know what's coming at you, especially if you're in an unfamiliar place. If you're in your house and it's dark, you know where the steps are, you know where some things are, unless a child leaves a toy and hits your foot. Caused you to lose your religion. Because you stepped on it with no shoes on. But other than that, you it's a mystery. It's a mystery. But Moses said, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that his fear would be in you. If there's anything this generation needs is the fear of God. Is the fear of God because it gives us boundaries. It causes us to know that there is no such thing as anything goes. Whenever you make a decision, you're controlled by that decision. There's always a consequence. There's reaping and there's sowing. Can you find that slide? Put the slide up, please. And I I wanna say this. Moses told the people, don't be afraid to come. And it says, Moses Drew near, but the people stood far off. Draw nigh to God. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. If you stand far off, you're far from God. He's not far from you, you're far from Him. Can you see the difference? But Moses knew that God was there, so He went near. He encouraged the people to come, but they wouldn't. There's no amount of preaching, there's no amount of teaching that can cause people to come near to God, lest God touches them and draws them. The Bible says, God says, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. The people stood far off. But Moses came near. God is saying that he wants a people who will draw near to him. I hear the Spirit saying, don't be afraid of the dark. You're in a dark place right now. You're in a dark place, but I promise you, God is there. It says he was there. He dwells in the thick darkness. Here's what you need to know. Here's the mystery. Even darkness is light to him. I know it's dark, but he's saying, come. He's saying, come. I am the light of the world, and so are you. Don't let the darkness consume you. I need somebody who knows how to pray to begin to pray in your spirit because there is some wrestling. There is some darkness that's brooding, that's hovering. And God wants us to know that the testing of your faith has a purpose. It's to refine you. It's to reveal your heart. It's to lead you to repentance. There is a purpose. God always has a redemptive purpose for everything he does. The Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now is a word of activation. Now. I didn't plan that, but I know there are going to be times this week When when I'm going to say now, now, that's just saying we're not having this today, now, and things are going to get in order, now, when are they going to get in order, now, when are we going to take authority, now, yes, now, when is the time of deliverance? Now, when is the time of healing? When is the day of salvation? For those online, God bless you, God keep you, and keep the faith. We'll see you next week, and we'll go deeper into testing and the purpose of testing. Thank you for joining us in service today.